We carried him until he was 14 weeks and he passed away in utero. In my mind, I had thought like all my like problems, like I had paid enough into the problem bin that like God would not give me any other problems anymore. So going through a loss after everything else I had gone through, I was like, are you kidding me? Didn't I already deal with that? The good thing was God was very sovereign in this because at the time I was friends with another mom who was who was and still is an amazing Christian woman. And she had just had a stillbirth. I watched her walk through that in like a biblical way, like how to suffer well. So it was, it was a lot for me at the time, but I was able to have watched her. And then when I lost quarter, she walked me through that. And she really like showed me what it looks like to depend on God in those hard things. And that's kind of where my like faith, my baby Christian life kind of ended. Howdy folks. Welcome back to the podcast. I just got done listening back to this interview that they, that that Dady, that Katie, that Katie did with Alex Goodings. And I was so blessed by it. And I know you will be too. Alex is able to share from so much life experience and from various things that the Lord has taught her in her journey of faith and of motherhood and of being a wife. Uh, she's got seven kids. Uh, all I know is that this interview blessed me. I know it's going to bless you. And if you want to learn more about Alex, we're going to link all of her info down below in the show notes. If you're watching this on YouTube, it'll be in the description. So be sure to check all those things out. And folks, I do want to let you know that we are so grateful for all the ratings and the reviews that we've received on iTunes. That not only encourages Katie and I to see all the kind things that you say, it also helps this podcast reach more people and it helps it grow our listener base. So thank you for doing that. And if you're watching this on YouTube, we are so grateful for the level of engagement you guys have had over there with comments and with liking and subscribing. That increases our reach as well. So thank you all for doing that. And with all with that all out of the way, I'm going to introduce my wife, Katie, and Alex. So here you have it. The Now That We're a Family Podcast. All right, Alex, I'm so happy to have you join me today amidst being six weeks postpartum <laughs> in the middle of so much that you have going on. Thank you for taking your time to be on here today. For people who aren't familiar with you, could you give kind of a brief introduction as to like what motherhood looks like right now and what your life looks like? So um, my name is Alex and I have seven living children. Um, I live in Arizona and I have like a little mini homestead and I homeschool my kiddos. Um, uh, I'm a Christian and I just had a baby. <laughs> all the major things. <laughs> I love it. And so you're, yeah, you're doing all these things. I'm really excited to talk to you about two things primarily today that I've had questions about since following you online on Instagram. Um, your testimony because we have a lot of one first generation Christians, people who are not raised in the faith and they're creating a totally different lifestyle, starting a new foundation for their children. And then also um, going to talking about your journey with loss and infertility, because 
we just had one loss this year and it made me like respect you so much. I'm just like, how does she keep doing this and going through this heartbreak? Um, but you have seven precious children that are with you today. Like what a gift. So anyways, I'd love to talk to you about both those things. Could we start with your testimony and kind of like how you got to where you are today? Yeah. So I did not grow up Christian. Um, my parents who are now divorced, they were Mormon like briefly in their childhood and something with the LDS church is they kind of keep your name on a registry. So, um, we were kind of found when we were, when I was a kid, um, when we lived in Kansas, um, and I started doing their discussions and considering going to their church. And then eventually we moved to Arkansas and that all continued and then we moved to Washington state and more discussions continued. Um, and at 12, I ended up getting baptized in the LDS church. Um, and again, my parents didn't go, uh, but it was kind of like a family at the church adopted me and basically would like pick me up and do all the things with me. And I just became like one of their kids, which in retrospect now I'm like, that was kind of weird, but (laughs) But I mean, whatever. (laughs) So um, then I had a lot of trauma in my life. Um, My dad abused me sexually when I was 12 and a half. So not long after I thought I was going to the LDS church. And that kind of like split our family. Um, And it led into my eating disorder. I suffered through anorexia for a good decade and a half. Wow. Um, Now I'm in recovery, like pretty solid. Like I don't seem to have any issues, but anyways, so that kind of steamrolled into everything. And then my parents who did not divorce after what happened to me, we moved to Arizona again. I was born here in Arizona, moved back here and then ended up going to California was in inpatient treatment centers and all these things for eating disorders and um, suicidal tendencies and stuff like that. And all in that time, I had still tried to go to the LDS church and eventually ended up just stopped going because they didn't really like that I didn't have like parents that were taking me. Um, when we lived in California, my dad would, okay, this is where it's also a weird part of my story. I'm sorry. I'm kind of going fast because it's so much because it doesn't just end in my like early adulthood years. <laughs> no, I um, love it. Yeah. Do whatever pace, whatever pace you want to go. I'm sorry. Okay. So when we moved to California and I actually lived with my dad, this is where it gets, see, it's very confusing. Like you shouldn't live with your dad after something like that. Yeah. But I did. Um, and I would have him drop me off at the church that like, technically I was like, um, within the boundaries because the LDS church, you get assigned to like a church that you have to attend. You can't just go to any church as Christian. Okay. So you have to go wherever they tell you to go. So I would have my dad drop me off. Um, and this particular ward did not like that. My parents didn't go. Okay. So I stopped going and that kind of was like my like 
next like kind of like anger of like literally nobody cares at me cares about me the church like a church doesn't care about me where I had like found that connection from that family that adopted me when I got back from the LDS church and then they didn't they didn't want me and then my family was really messed up um so I kind of like didn't really know what I was doing and my faith aspect and then like my eating disorder and all that kind of just became my own like idol my own God, which was, it's very interesting because in retrospect, it was like really like, um, killing me versus it's not life giving, obviously eating disorders. <laughs> they don't do that. Um, and I had like ended up moving back to Arizona and my mom got remarried to like a guy. Love you, mom. If you ever watch this. But she remarried a guy that's the same age as my current husband. So a little weird. Um, but that whole like thing kind of spiraled my eating disorder more. I started like overdosing on um, painkillers and medication like that and was life flighted once because my heart was almost stopping and all of these things and still did not like ever like think like maybe I should stop and examine my life um and this was like around 17 I like still didn't see anything every I just I honestly thought I was gonna die by the time I was 18 which is a pretty terrible way to like live your teens like I have husband talks about like homecoming and prom like all the things that he did in high school and blah 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 and I'm like you know I really thought I was gonna die in high school wow but no big deal wow (laughs) wow so it's like reflecting on it I'm like man I really missed out on a lot um but looking back like you know God's sovereignty was there and like he kept me alive like when I should have like definitely died several times like this isn't glorifying it but it's just too like hammer it in like there was one time I overdosed on a whole bunch of medication and like locked myself in my room at when I was living with my mom in Arizona and like I was unconscious for days like wow. that's just like like wow. God kept me alive through that which is yeah. just crazy um so around 19 just maybe like 18 and a half ish um I met a guy at Starbucks and he was a recovering alcoholic which was interesting to me because I also used alcohol with my eating disorder. And he grew up in a Christian family and was like really accurate in his theology, like actually read his Bible, (laughs) not just like, you know, cherry picking things, like actually read his Bible. And he like introduced me to actual Christianity um, and started bring me to this inner city church that he went to in Phoenix, Arizona. And I am volunteering for their like kids summer camp for all, inner, all these inner city youth kids. And I actually heard the gospel for the first time, like, which is just crazy. Like to be like, 
an early adult and thinking that they know God for a long time and then getting angry at God and then being people actually like being like, do you read the Bible? And you're like, no, no, I don't like, that's weird. Like to kind of think that you've been like in church or like religious for your whole life thinking I knew what things were and then being like, no, I've never actually opened my Bible. Because, like, the Mormon church doesn't do that. You read the Book of Mormon. So you're not the gospel. You're not hearing that gospel message. So I actually was, like, presented with the gospel message along with all these little kids that, like, I was in charge of. Like, I was, like, you know, the adult leader of a group of kids that were, like, six, seven, eight. And they're here, they're having the gospel presented to them. And I am also being like, oh my gosh, I did not know that. Like, just like, just really eye-opening being like, oh my gosh. And so um, at the end of this two-week kids camp for this inner city church, what they do is they go to a lake and it's like a lake day, super fun celebration thing. And like some people get baptized. And I wanted to get baptized and you can't, and this is the one thing that I'm like now in kind of the Christian circle on Instagram. Um, I realized how much like people are just like, Oh yeah, I get baptized. And then like, that's it. Okay. Like this church, like they were very serious about it. And they're like, you have to have like, you have to have a testimony. Like you have to actually, believe and know like how you actually got to this point where you want to make this decision and so like if you were choosing to get baptized at this lake day you had to stand up on a picnic table and you had to share your testimony like this is not like just peer pressure of everyone oh you want to get baptized i'm gonna get baptized too like let's all get baptized in the lake like totally cool no like you are standing with a microphone on a picnic table in front of hundreds of people and you're sharing your story um, which is like what baptism really is, is that public declaration, right? Yeah. Of like, I am choosing to follow Christ. So it was uh, July 2011, 2010. Yeah, 2010 okay. in July. And um, I got baptized in a lake. Uh, and I would love to say that my life totally turned around and it was like super perfect and like nothing else ever went wrong. <laughs> that is not my life. Um, so um, I ended up moving from community college up to Northern Arizona University a couple weeks later, like after summer had ended. Um, I transferred after I got my associate's degree and I went up to NEU, which is a couple hours from where I'm at, for from where I was at um, in Phoenix. Okay, well, I just left and, like, had no discipleship, didn't know what I was doing, didn't know anybody, didn't have a church I was going to, didn't know anything. Man, I didn't know anything. So I got up to NEU, and I was like, well, I guess I should find, like, a Christian group on campus. And I did. I found um, Campus Crusaders, CRU crew. Um, so I found them, and they were 
great. They tried really hard to disciple to all us like young college kids that half of us were like me and were like, I don't know anything. But they kept me going to church, like a biblically solid church. I went to a Bible study and all of that. Um, and then, and then I was kind of dumb and, um, I got pregnant with my oldest, which is a whole nother story because I was not supposed to technically ever be able to get pregnant because of my no eating disorder. Way. So are you still struggling at this point with your eating disorder or is it? Yeah. Be- okay. So, okay. So you can't, you don't think you can get pregnant. You end up falling yeah, pregnant. Getting getting pregnant after one time. Wow. With someone that I had known for like since I was fourteen and I was twenty then. So I'd known him for six years. That doesn't mean that we're like best buddies or anything. So um yeah, I got pregnant with Emberly in my senior year of college and um that kind of was my eye opener again, because I was like, even though I was going to church and stuff, it was more like my break of idolizing my eating disorder, if that makes sense. So it was like one of those things where it was like, I knew that like life was so important and life was like a sacred thing, but I never really thought that I would like, God would let me have a kid. And so the fact that I like got pregnant, it like, really turned my life around. And I was like, okay, like I'm going to, I want to raise my daughter better than I was raised, which is like every person. Right. (laughs) Um, but that kind of like shifted me. So I stopped being in my eating disorder. I started really like focusing on my faith and like trying to really like be like, okay, like what do I, how do I like deepen where I'm at? Um, and just little things like when I had Emily and I was a single mom and I was a school teacher. This is so funny. It's my church, because I was so scared to go out to a real church, my church was Caleb, which now I have had to undo some things with Caleb theology, but that was my church. And I like, remember calling in on one of their like weekly pledge drive things. And I was like, I'm a single mom. and You guys are my church and I'm going to, I'm going to donate. And they're like, okay, good, thank you. <sighs> and just those things that I was like, I try, I was like, I was like grasping at anything I could because I was like, I have, I have to try to figure out, my relationship even more with God. Like, yes, I believed in God. I believe that Jesus died for me. Like all these things, I knew it, but I didn't have that discipleship early on that I was just like, now what? And then having Emberly, I was like, okay, I can't just like now what and just wait for something to happen. I need to actually work and figure out like, how can I like receive teachings like how do where can I go and at that time like YouTube was not like super cool okay 2012 2011 2012 it was there and now like people are like oh yeah listen to this sermon on YouTube okay well that was like not the case (laughs) back then 
Um, so I had to like really work for it. And I would be like reading my Bible by myself and being like, I don't even know what this means. I don't, (laughs) I don't know what that means. I like started with the Bible version, the message, which now I'm like, Ooh, that's a really like paraphrased version of things, but God used it. So in that time, Praise the Lord. He kept me on that path. And I didn't slip into any anything crazy. So, you know, I I was doing my best. I was reading out of the message. I was trying, I was listening to Caleb all the time and being like looking up anything that they would talk about on there, look it up in my Bible. I don't know what that means. And I would just keep going and keep praying and being like, maybe this is just how it is. You just don't really know. Well, that's not true. But like, that's not true now, but that's where I was. All that. And then I met my husband, Matt, when Emberly was nine months old. And um, that was interesting because he really didn't believe in God. He grew up Catholic and was not a fan. Not a fan, which, okay. Just, some people are not fans. So that was in 2012. We got married in 2014. Um And then uh, we started right away trying to have a baby. And we couldn't. And I was like, well, it can't be me. Oh, sorry. See, I'm going, I'm like leaking my testimony goes all the way into all the other parts. I love it. I love it. Merge it. That's how, that's how God works. (laughs) So that kind of like leads into part of our infertility story. And I'm still a baby Christian at this time. And I'm like, kind of backsliding in my life and that that kind of hurts my pride even now to say that but I was definitely backsliding it was like one of those things where like okay Matt was really angry with God we he didn't want to go to church um he was really into the electronic dance scene so like okay Matt like took me to like a rave for the first time when I was like 21, I had never been to a bar either because I had Emberly at 20. So like Matt took me to a bar for the first time. And like, I kind of like fell into my eating disorder again because I had never like been in that kind of like relationship without having like, um, a coping mechanism. Like it should have been God. But it was my eating disorder. Does that make sense? Like the oh, relational yeah. trauma. Totally. Yeah. yeah. As so, humans, it's so much easier to turn to something physical that's here and distracting us than God. Like, I think everyone can relate to that at some point in their lives. Yeah. So I kind of backslid. Um, I started drinking a lot more socially with Matt. Uh, and then we went to like these rave things and dance stuff and um, dressed like they do. I'm not going to share too much on that, but if you're curious, like a bathing suit or less, which is like not something that I would like advocate now. <laughs> um, and so I kind of like backslid. I uh, stopped really focusing on God. I did not read my Bible a lot. I only prayed in my head because I didn't want Matt to be like, what are you doing? 
praying to God, that's them. Um, and I never pushed church. And then as we went through infertility, it like just drove us even more into this, like not trusting God thing. Sorry. I just brought a baby up here. (laughs) Yay. Um, We get to see the baby. (laughs) So, um, we tried for about two years to conceive after we got married. Well, kind of a little before we got married. And then, yeah, see, good, good, not discipled Christian. It's okay. We all learn. Like people are like, yes. I thought you were a Christian. You should know better. And I was like, dude, I had no idea. First of all, I like, I had a lot of like just secular um, ideas of like what marriage was supposed to be like. No one had ever like me or told me like other <laughs> you know, like biblical ways to be married. I had no idea. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, I was more like, well, no, I'm with this person. We are planning to get married. Yeah. Like I'm committed to them. Yeah. No, I think that's really common in the church. I don't think there's a lot of discipleship for young people where it's like, Hey, you know, get married. There's not a lot of biblical teaching on sexuality. So, yeah. Yeah. So don't get me started on that, but like, yeah. So we, tried for about two years and then it got to the point where after so many like months of like just negative tests after negative tests I was like well maybe like you should get tested because I was like I was not supposed to be able to have kids but I did so I was like it can't be me it's got to be you (laughs) (laughs) plus that man he has put up with me in my sin have having all our husbands <laughs> mine definitely yes. has so he got tested and he had um mild male factor infertility so like low sperm count low motility low morphology like just low not anything super crazy just low and that was like well that's dumb i was like well no science and he like no and so we didn't do anything about it and eventually we conceived Ava and um we had Ava in 2016 and she we call her our miracle baby because she was conceived while we were trying but spontaneously it'll make sense in the story right (laughs) okay (laughs) because you'll be like seven kids that's a lot of kids to like that's the only one that we tried for and it worked while trying so okay we had Ava and then um when my cycle came back we started trying right away because I was like I want another baby I don't want just Emberly and Ava like I want one more at least and we started trying right away and after a year we couldn't get pregnant again and so I was like okay well this time we're gonna go to um an IVF clinic not for IVF we're just gonna go to like get tested get map tested again and we'll probably do like an IUI thinking like that'll be super easy and like quick okay we go do that and the fertility doctor's like for sure, male factor. This is super common where you eventually conceive, blah, blah, blah. And you're like, I'm like, yeah. And he's like, 
you'll probably get pregnant next month. And I'm like, yeah, that's great. Sorry, Claire. <laughs> She's like, what's going on? <laughs> like, why do you do this, mom? Um, so I thought it was super awesome. Matt came in. He's like, okay, whatever. Like, this should be easy. We do another semen analysis. And this time, Matt's sperm is like trash. No good. 98% of his sperm uh, were pinheads, which means they have no DNA at all, which you need DNA to make a baby. So, um, and then that was on top of only 15% of the sperm actually swam. And then um, there were only 5,000 pre-wash, meaning before like they wash out the dead sperm, which... It just shows you we're going down, down, down. There's not a lot there. And so you had to have like 10 million to do an IUI. And we did not qualify for that. So um, I was literally about to pop Clomid when the fertility clinic called and they're like, don't take that. I was like, what? And we ended up doing IVF. Now, I know it's a hot topic, Christians, IVF. At least please listeners, people keep in perspective that like, I, again, did not have a lot of discipleship. I was not in church again yet. And like the general church does not really talk about IVF. There's not a lot of education around it. And I feel like there's just now starting to be more education around it. Like very recently, Mm -hmm. at least in my opinion, I had no clue. Like what all it entailed or anything you know I had no clue and like at the time I was pro-choice but like pro-life for me you know like that stance that people have totally of like I never but I'm not gonna tell you what to do okay so like that's kind of like my mentality and like we went into IVF and I was like that like mate making the embryos were making our babies and like I saw it that way absolutely so so yeah so that's a whole side topic (laughs) yeah exactly no I love it I love how you talked about that that's cool so then we did IVF we um and it was around this time that we started IVF we actually went to church okay Matt was like I'm gonna go to church like, okay, yeah, yeah, totally playing it cool. Like, yeah, you want to go to church? Oh, what what church are you thinking? Do you want to go this Sunday or next Sunday? It's like, yeah, we can go this Sunday. I'm like, oh, yeah, okay. Like, totally play it, play it cool. Right, Claire? Play it cool. So we went through IVF. We ended up with five embryos, uh, four girls and one boy. Oh, that's another controversy, but still part of the story so we end up then we transferred a boy and a girl thinking that'd be totally fair boy girl someone will stick hopefully and they both stuck praise god we like the fact that we were successful on our first ivf transfer was like a huge deal um but we were like uh, of course because we're we're male factors so like that's the reason why <laughs> then um, we go through that pregnancy. I had a lot of complications. I had um, a subchorionic hemorrhage that just grew and grew and grew. Um, I was on bed rest and 
I was pretty sure that I was going to miscarry um, within the first trimester because I just had bleed after bleed. And it was not like spotting. It was like a period. And it had cramping. Wow. And it was just everything that like if you've been pregnant, they call you on – you call triage on the phone. And they're like, is it like more than a pad – filling a pad? And now I'm like, it's filling a pad in like five minutes. Like I think like they're gone. They were not, they hung in there. Um, and then at our 20 week ultrasound, we found out that we were having girls. No way. Yeah. So this is, this is where like, when I tell my story, <laughs> which if you follow me on Instagram, I've only t- told pieces in chunks because it's so dramatic that I feel like every turn it's like and then I know you need to write a book (laughs) that's what you need to do this is incredible so turns out there were two girls and we like freaked out and we're like calling the fertility clinic and we're like I'm crying because I named our babies at transfer okay when my babies were five days old as embryos, I gave them names. And I was like, it's Hannah and Porter. That's our, Those are our babies. And so, like, Emberly and Ava, that pregnancy up until halfway, talked about who was in there, Hannah and Porter. Okay? We get to 20 weeks, and they're like, no, they're both girls. So we're, like, calling the fertility clinic. We're like, what's going on? And they're like, it could have split. And I was like, oh, I don't think so. And they're like, no, it totally could have. And I'm like, I don't believe you. So all this drama, and they're like, you need to wait until your babies are born. And then DNA test them to confirm whether they're identical or fraternal. So we continued going to church. Um, It was actually really fruitful season for me personally, because we started attending a biblical church. And Matt would come. He would sleep, though, during service because he worked in the food industry at the time. And Saturday nights are like, you know, a happening oh, restaurant yeah. time. So he would literally get home at like 2 a.m. and wake up and come to church with us. And we'd sit in the back row. And he'd be like, and I'm like, at least you're here. At least you're here. <laughs> So we're going to church and like that, that was really good for me because it kind of built up a correct, a correct theology um, around like gospel things, not any hot topic things. It was very like surface level, but it was really good for me. It was also good because it helped me um, get in the word more. Um, it definitely helped my prayer life. Um, and I met other like Christians, like Christians that are moms. That was a huge deal because I didn't have that before. So we gave birth to Hannah and Heidi and we DNA tested them in July of 2018. They were in fact fraternal twins. Dun, dun, dun. That means our boy embryo was somewhere. That was like the problem now was like, okay, like where is it? Where is the boy then? So we had three embryos still frozen and we consulted with a lawyer and they were like, here's 
how I suggest you go about it. We did not sue them or anything like that. We just wanted to find our boy embryo. And in December 2018, they thought our three embryos and retested them. And in January of 2019, they found our boy embryo. No way. That yeah, would be so crazy. It was like some sort of mislabeling. Nobody took responsibility, which is a whole nother like, come on, guys. Um, but so then we secretly, we didn't tell anybody, but we transferred our boy embryo in, I want to say it was February of 2019. And that was a big deal because we just thought that this boy embryo would be like the completion of family and like we would have him and he would just like end everything we'd have five kids which we never thought we'd ever have five kids now we're sitting at seven <laughs> so we transferred porter and he stuck and we carried him until he was 14 weeks and he passed away in utero and that was really crazy because um in my mind I had thought like all my like problems, like I had paid enough into the problem bin that like God would not give me any other problems anymore. Mm -hmm. So going through a loss after everything else I had gone through, I was like, are you kidding me? Like, didn't I pay enough already? Like, didn't I already deal with that? The good thing was, God was very sovereign in this because at the time I was friends with another mom who was, who was, and still is an amazing Christian woman. And she had just had a stillbirth at 36 weeks, maybe like a couple months before. And I watched her walk through that in like a biblical way, like how to suffer well. And no. like I watched her because I like brought meals over and stuff and witnessed it, not knowing that I was going to go through something a little less traumatic because Porter was only 14 weeks. But the, it, was, it was a lot for me at the time, but I was able to have watched her. And then when I lost Porter, she walked me through that and she really like showed me what it looks like to depend on God in those hard things. Um, and that's kind of where my like faith, my baby Christian life kind of ended. Like it was at that point when I fully understood like, Hey, this is what like walking with God and like leaning on God and depending on God in that, in everything for like just getting up in the morning when you don't want to, this is, this is what that looks like. So God really used that, our loss of our first son, Porter, um, to deepen my faith. And I needed that because, drum roll, two months later, after we lost Porter, we conceived our boy twins, our fraternal boy twins, <laughs> spontaneously. They are not IVF babies. They are just regular old babies. <laughs> and wow. that was just really crazy too because um we definitely did not think that that was like ever going to be an option because of how Matt's 
semen analysis had looked because it just looked like our trajectory just kept going down from the first one years, years before. And then that one, um, but we got pregnant with the boys and had them in April, 2020, which was a madness because they were in the NICU and my water broke at 31 weeks. And so I was like in the hospital for eight days, but it was COVID. So they didn't let anyone visit. And I basically went up from triage in the middle of the night up to antenatal, just was waiting until I convinced them to let me go home. Wow. Drama. (laughs) Yeah. Tough year to have twins. Seriously. And then, so NICU and then the NICU trauma, the PTSD that came with that really changed my faith as well, because this got to the point where like, I was in the NICU literally alone. Matt and I were not allowed to go to the NICU to see the boys together because of COVID rules, even though we always thought that was silly because if it was a singleton, it would be one parent per that baby. And we're like, well, we have two babies. So like, can it be one parent per baby? And they're like, no, it's okay. God like is really sovereign in that too, because it was through that like alone time where I was in the hospital with the boys like when we got discharged Matt would stay home with the kids the other four kids and I would stay at the hospital with the boys and with postpartum hormones like I was a wreck and like I was up down all around mama bear emotions coming out I was didn't let people do anything I wouldn't let them touch my breast milk that I was pumping I was like no this is my baby my babies I know what I'm doing Well, God really used that because one, he humbled me a lot and like taught me a lot of humility, but I don't know everything. But two, also taught me how to biblically like stand up for my children. And then it also drove me to prayer because when you're alone, what else do you have? Yes, there's social media, but it's like, what else do you have? You have the Lord, like you have the Lord always. And sometimes God needs you to be like literally isolated physically like how I was to be like can you please pray to me like can you please pray you should be praying you shouldn't be like always chatting with somebody else like you should probably pray and so God used that and the boys got out of the NICU and um we ended up deciding to homeschool hooray so now we get to homeschooling Wow. So with the new twins, that's when you guys decide, you know what? Let's just up the ante here. <laughs> so COVID stuff. Yeah. yeah. We lived in this really tiny house, 1,100 square feet. There were six kids, two sets of twins under two. And they wanted Emberly because Emberly was in second grade. They wanted Emberly to sit in front of a computer for six hours a day like continuously, like different breaks and stuff, but like, okay. Yeah. (laughs) There's a lot of crying when you have so many little kids. I was like, this is not doable. I was telling Matt, I was like, let me just homeschool Emberly just for like at least a year to get out of this mess of COVID stuff. And he agreed. I was a school teacher. Okay. Like I totally 
should have been able to handle it. And I did. But um, yeah, so we started our homeschooling journey, which was like hilarious because looking back now, we basically unschooled for six months because I had baby twins that I was exclusively pumping for. So like anytime I needed to pump, I would like put on a documentary on Netflix and I would be like, and now we're watching this because I have to pump for 20 minutes. Yeah, you got to do what you got to do. Two bottles at the same time. And like, yeah. So that's our homeschool journey. We were still going to church too. This was something that I'm like, I'm so grateful for because like it could have been very easy for us to be like, oh, COVID, like we can't go anywhere. We have new preemie babies, like don't go anywhere. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, But Matt like still wanted to go and I definitely wanted to go. And so we went. We like would get everybody ready. We went to like one of the only churches that actually was like open. It was really funny. Like now looking back, because that church is a little like sketchy in theology now. But like at the time, it was like that's that's so good. Like God like really kept us going because if we stopped going, I don't think that we'd be like where we're at today. So we had babies, two boys. We thought we were done having kids because Matt was done. Yeah, that's a lot of kids. It is. Six kids is a lot. And, you know, those five, Ava, Hannah, Heidi, and the boys, um, that's all five of them under five. Yeah, it was like four and under. It was a lot of small people. Yeah. Lots of small people. Um, So Matt was done. And we still had two embryos left. And after losing Porter, that's kind of like where my like pro-choice vibe that I had, where it was like, never me. Like, I won't do it. But if you want to, that kind of slowly started to change. I really was not fond of the idea of destroying our embryos. That's like a thing. That, you yeah. know, just you can destroy them. Um, and it started. That was when I was like, no, like that's a life. Like we celebrated those lives from once they were five day old embryos. Like we named them like, come on, these are babies. So those from those two embryos, when we would retested the three of them. Ah. Sorry, Claire. Um. When we had retested, one of our girl embryos retested abnormal. And so we were told that, like, you can't transfer that one anyway. So we're like, oh, okay. So we had one normal one left. But keep in your mind about that abnormal one because they come back. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Plot twist. <laughs> Plot twist again. So um, Matt was done. So we were like, okay. I found an embryo adoption group on Facebook that another friend of mine that's Christian, she received embryos from somebody because she had done like eight IVFs and nothing was working with her own embryos. She adopted embryos from someone. So I went through that. I found a Christian couple that had a son already, but um, she had gone through cancer, breast cancer, and they couldn't conceive so we adopted our embryo out to them and that was really hard for me because I personally was not a 
hundred percent feeling like I wanted to be done. Like I was more submitting to Matt's desire to be done. Um, and we adopted her out and they transferred her and that once embryo now shares a birthday with Hannah and Heidi, just three years apart. So that's super special. And we're friends online. Um, and it's been great because I've watched her grow up. She's a year and a half now. And that's super sweet. But so that we started doing um, right after the boys were born. We started the process. They received our last girl embryo in like September or October of 2020. Okay. And so that officially in our mind, we're like, okay, the door is closed. Like there are no more embryos. Like be, it would be super crazy if we conceived again naturally. Okay. But that happened. <laughs> so then in February of 2021, I got pregnant again, spontaneously. And it was twins again. Wow. And it was really crazy because we were just like, how does this even happen? But then we lost them both. So we miscarried um, our boy-girl twins in April of 2021. And just like losing Porter really shattered my faith and kind of moved me from baby Christian into like actual, like wanting to like really delve into the Bible. This time it kind of did the opposite. I was finally like at that crossroad that some people hit. Some people never hit this. I hit this where I was like, either God's real or God's not real. Like I started like really questioning it. And I was like, I'm either going to, go full in like move all my poker chips to the God side or to there's no God side. Like I'm, I'm going to invest either way. Mm -hmm. And that was really hard because like, I was like hysterical when I came to that point, I was like, can there be a God when you like lose three babies? Like, is this even possible? Like, can there be a good God when this keeps happening? Um, but instead of waiting for something to, like, pop up and be like, oh, yeah, God is real or God isn't real. Instead, I was, like, driven to scripture. I decided I wanted to read everything and anything. I wanted to listen to any sermons to anything I could and be like, if it's true, if all this really is true, like I thought I knew, like I thought I believed, but I need to be sure because I was really hurt. Um, And that's actually what led into me being convicted to head cover, which is another controversial topic in the Christian world. You're just full of them. I love it. Hot button after hot button. No, but it's I'm good. Like, it brings up such great I discussion. Know, <laughs> I didn't even know that this was like a thing, that there were so many hot topics in Christianity. I know. Okay. It's really a pity, to be honest. <laughs> it really is. And, but it got to this point where I was like 
so in scripture. I got to First Corinthians 11, and I'm very convinced to head cover. So I've been head covering for a year and a half, full time, nonstop. God totally blessed me in that. Not in like I got a baby out of it because that's not part, that is but isn't. It has nothing to do with head covering. But he blessed me in the fact that like me diligently being in the word and praying, um, it just brought me so much closer to him. Like my dependency on God, like increased so much. And like my prayer life increased. Um, I was praying once a day before to praying like all the time, like, because I just was like, so I had so much zeal, like, to be like, I need to know, like, I need to know, I need to know God. I need to know what, what in all the things, just like, it just feels like it felt so crazy at the time. And I, that's where I landed. I landed even more sure that God was real mm-hmm. and that the gospel is true and the Bible is God's word. Um, and some people would say that I turned into a legalist at that point. I don't think so. I think I just, I finally felt like I understood what it meant to like be faithfully obedient to the word of Christ and to the word of God to the point of like you joyfully want to do anything and everything for the glory of God. Like tell me that like 10 years ago and I would not have understood that. And God finally like just grew me so much and being like, I truly see like me living my life now is like everything is for the glory of God because it should be that way as a Christian. But of course our story does not stop there. In September of 2021, I got pregnant again. Spontaneously. No way. And we were pregnant with a little girl named Grace. And we lost Grace at 15 and a half weeks. And I birthed her at home. And that was a week before Christmas last year. So just over a year ago. And um, this time, the loss did not shake me in my faith like it had previously instead it brought me more of a longing for heaven Mm -hmm. which I know like people say that but like I think when you've experienced recurrent pregnancy loss you kind of get to that point where like you've already solidified the foundation of whether or not God is good through through bad things and then you get there and you're like even, even though this happened, like, I cannot wait. I cannot wait for heaven. Like I cannot wait, but, um, losing grace was really hard because this was the first loss that we didn't have a DNC for, which again is another controversy in the Christian world. Really? Okay. I didn't even know about this one. like, <laughs> So people are really anti doing that. Yeah. Okay. I didn't know was a thing. I can understand a little bit now, but I think that medical needs of DNCs are totally warranted too. So don't get me started on that. But (laughs) we birthed Grace at home and 
I will tell you that the very first thing when Grace was born and Matt was right, right next to me, right outside of our shower. And we both looked at her and we're like, Oh my gosh, she's so perfect. Like, like she is so perfect. She has fingers and toes. Like you can see every single little finger. You can see her ear, like all of these things that like, I'm like hemorrhaging in our shower in like 9 30 PM. And we're like marveling at God's creation. Like people that don't think it's a baby. Like that's a baby. Like I, I held my baby. She had ears and a nose and her mouth opened and closed. For some reason that like was in, that was crazy to me. Like her jaw opened like, duh, it's her, like, it's a baby. Like, yeah, but yeah, you just expect a little blob. Like, you don't expect a little working right. human. Well, and you see the ultrasounds, like, you're like, oh, yeah, that kind of looks like a baby. Okay, holding Grace. Like, I saw all the parts, all the pieces of her, all the things that, like, God had, like, made her with. Um, And God really used grace for his glory too because i've been able to share grace and share her pictures on the interwebs and a lot of people are like oh my gosh i did not realize that's a baby that is a baby um and luckily the hospital that i ended up having to get taken by ambulance because i was hemorrhaging and passed out and the hospital we went to treated her like a baby Aww. You know, they they got little clothes for her. They made a name card with her weight and her length and like all Aww. the things because it's a baby. Um, and Matt and I had like talked about like maybe one day we can try again for a baby or maybe one day we'll do IVF again and we'll have another baby. This is after Grace. And, like, I was really, like, so traumatized by so many losses back-to-back and everything. But I was, mm-hmm. like, okay, like, I am just wanted to hear that the door was not closed, that maybe one day. Mm-hmm. So a couple months after we lost Grace, we did get pregnant. And we ended up getting pregnant with Claire. Um, and she made it. Look at that perfect baby. So sweet. I just wish I could like crawl through the computer and pet her little soft cheeks. She has like the cutest cheeks. I cannot stand it. But we got pregnant with Claire and we kept her in and kept her alive and we had her and she made it. And um, it's now that I can say like, I am 100% pro-life, not just for me, but for everybody. Because after seeing Grace and then being on the other side of recurrent loss, I'm like, I can't, I can't even imagine having the stance that I did of being pro-choice, pro-life for me, pro-choice for you. Because Grace was fit in the palm of my hand and had all her parts and pieces and was perfect. And Claire was that. She was that size. And 
now she is here alive in my arms but she started as that and she started even smaller as an embryo which here's that other plot twist when I found out I was pregnant with Claire maybe about when I was eight weeks pregnant we got a message from the couple that adopted our embryo and that she was like hey the fertility clinic is trying to charge me storage for an embryo, but we only adopted one embryo from you. They have a second embryo in the straw because they're frozen in straws. There was a second embryo in there. I was like, what? We shouldn't have had any more embryos. And so we have one more embryo. It is the girl embryo that retested abnormal and I really think that God used literally everything all of the losses and all of the controversy of IVF and like learning about it over the last year and a half because when I we found that out I told Matt about it and I was like listen if this pregnancy doesn't end up with a baby or if it does I really want to honor that life that we created and I want to transfer our last embryo. So that is kind of where we stand right now. We do have one embryo that um, is mosaic, which means some of the cells are abnormal. Some of them are normal. So there's a chance that we could just miscarry her, um, which God would be sovereign in that. Or there's a chance that God would um, heal the abnormal cells and we would end up with another baby down the line. So that literally brings us all the way to today. Oh, but in my pregnancy with Claire, my husband got baptized. No way. Okay. I was going to ask. I'm like, how is your husband in all this? Like, I'm dying to know. No way. Because just after experiencing all these things and your heart changes and stuff like that, I just can't imagine he, that's not affecting him too, you know? After Grace died, I really had this longing for a smaller church, a church that was not like a massive mega church, no offense, but like, I know tons of people that go to bigger churches and they're fine. Like they are good. They have the discipleship, the community. That's great. We were not finding that. And I needed smaller. I needed a smaller group of people that I could really dig in with. So we found a different church in February of 2022. I just had a realization we're in 2023. <laughs> and we started going to this church. I became a member at the church and Matt started doing these one-on-one Bible studies with our pastor, which was like no me again, way. trying not to be like excited like I was when he wanted to go to church for the first time. So I'm like, oh yeah, totally cool. Like you want to go to the Bible study? Yeah. Like I'm not, I'm not pushing you into this at all. Like I can't believe that you're going to this. And so he went weekly for months. And then in August of um, 2022, he was like, I think I need to get baptized. I was like, really? Oh, oh, tell me more. And he was like, yeah, I, I think that like, 
I actually believe that Jesus died for me. I was wow. like, I love you. I'm so proud of you. I'm so happy for you. All the angels are rejoicing. Like, it's so great. And it was this huge thing because my kids, our kids got to see their dad yeah. do that public declaration of faith. Um, and so we watched him get baptized and all that. And I want to say that it made my marriage perfect, but it didn't. and Matt if you ever watch this I love you Um, but um, you know it's definitely it's changed our marriage and it's and now so it's been like five months or so and it's definitely changed our dynamic we're learning what it means to live in a biblical marriage now because we've never really had to do that two-sided yeah Um, and but I really see that like God definitely used Claire as like one of those things that Matt could like witness God's goodness. And like I think because God had grown me in my faith, like I witnessed that to Matt, like of being like, I'm terrified and scared I'm gonna lose this baby. But I'm gonna keep going and keep trusting that God's good no matter what and like Matt saw that and Matt grew in his faith and even now like we go we're going on walks together every day and we don't currently pray together but the other day I was like would you could we start praying together and he's like yeah I'm like okay right (laughs) so like all your listeners that like didn't grow up Christian or just starting like yeah it is never too late because like here we are Matt and I have been together over 10 years and like I feel like we're just now being like okay like our marriage can grow so much because God is in it now that's a huge deal so there's my infertility and testimony all wrapped up in one I'm so glad how you told them together. I I think it's so cool how the Lord has used your children every step of the way. And I think that's something that we can undervalue, especially like just how your first was conceived. It wasn't an ideal situation. You're a single mom, you're on your own, but like the Lord's using her to draw you to himself and like each one of the losses, each one of the children, it's just beautiful for his painful is I cannot imagine it being for you um, to just see how he's still drawn you closer to him and you haven't let that um, just make you bitter and turn you away, but instead like go deeper and in your marriage and with your kids. And what a beautiful testimony for all your girls and boys that are watching you go through this too and realize like, oh, being a Christian isn't a joy ride. You know, it doesn't mean everything in life goes smooth, but, but the Lord's with you through it all. That's just, especially my, my 10 year old, Emberly, my oldest is 10, almost 11. And she hasn't made a profession of faith yet. Um, but she definitely has been able to witness our like transformation and has watched us sin against each other and then repent of that. Um, and so it's definitely humbling to be like, I don't want my kids to be like, oh, yeah, like you're a Christian and like life is peachy keen and like you get to 
just be happy all the time and like God's going to fix it and it's going to be great. Like, no, they get to really see that like this is something the Holy Spirit sanctifies us all life long. Yeah. Like to the end. Until there's a new heavens and a new earth, which Ava, my six-year-old, brought up today. And I was like, yeah, there's a new heavens and new earth. She's like, good. I don't want to be here forever. I'm like, good. Me either. <laughs> That's great. You and me both. <laughs> oh, thank you for sharing today. I got chills at so many different parts in your story. Wow. That is just impactful. And I'm so glad that you're willing to well, probably share the tip of the iceberg of it um, today, but more than I get to see on the little, you know, little snippets on social media. Where can people find you though and follow you to follow along with your story, see what else God has planned for your life and just root for you? Um, so I am mostly on Instagram. You can find me at Growing Goodings. And I also have a YouTube that is you also do. It's very small and I'm starting to, so if you've been on my Instagram, I do like live chats once a week that are anywhere from like 30 minutes to an hour and a half long of me just chatting on topics. Well, I've recently decided I'm going to kind of move that stuff over to the YouTube world. Smart move. Yeah. And then I also have a blog, which is momsguidetogod.com. And that actually has a lot of our fertility story, like journaled, written, typed out there. So like, if you are ever like, I don't even remember what she said about IVF. Like I go in detail about IVF and our losses. Wonderful. That is a fantastic resource. So we will have all three of those things linked down below your Instagram, your YouTube, and um, the blog for people to go follow you. Thank you so much again for taking your kids' nap time, or <laughs> I'm assuming a big portion of your afternoon to visit with us and to just encourage us at every stage of where our, where our walk is. Um, Thank you for having me. Yes, yes awesome. awesome.